he had to put extra secure stuff around the bottom of the cage because the rats would get in the cage uh, and they would uh, kill adults. We had rats, uh, a foot long rat, and that's not with their tail. You heard that there. That's lifelong South Bend resident, public servant, and proud product of the lake, Lynn Coleman, talking about the rats that used to be around the neighborhood near the old Beck's Lake dump. More of that later, but first. Welcome to Round the Bend Now and Then, a podcast that shines a light on the South Bend and Mishawaka areas past and present. Through interviews with local business owners, leaders, and community members, our listeners and I learn together about all of the great people and great things going on in our community. As we also learn about South Bend and Mishawaka's history and how intertwined our past is with our present. Several months ago, my 15-year-old son and I went on a History of African Americans in South Bend bus tour, and one of the stops was at the Charles Black Community Center in LaSalle Park in the city's far west side. There were a few speakers who talked to us at the center about growing up in LaSalle Park, better known as the lake. I just don't think people in our city know and understand how much history is in that area, both positive and also absolutely negative. One of the speakers was Lynn Coleman, and to hear him talk so passionately and heartfelt about growing up on the lake, right then and there, I knew that, one, I wanted to learn more and try to tell the story of the lake on an episode, and two, I knew that I wanted to interview Lynn to help tell that story. So in this episode, I meet with Lynn Coleman. He is a lifelong South Bend resident, a retired police officer, former assistant to the mayor, local leader and family man, and he owes all of that to growing up on the lake. Please know that I could probably do a whole season on the lake and the surrounding areas because there is just so much history there and there are so many more people who I'm sure could help tell the story as well. You've heard me say the lake a few times and before we get to Lynn, I wanted to share a brief background of the area. I'll spend a few more minutes than normal here describing the history because you just can't get the essence of the story without it. The lake is a nickname for a South Bend neighborhood on the far west side of town that is near LaSalle Park. LaSalle Park is a city park with playgrounds, ball courts, shelters, splash pad, and a community center, but it also has a more of a pond than a lake. But that body of water is why the neighborhood is nicknamed the lake. Again, the history here is so intriguing because that body of water that is there now that might get a few feet deep and sometimes can dry up in the summer used to be, as a South Bend article in 1919 quoted, an inexhaustible reservoir of pure water. It was an honest-to-goodness lake about the size of Hudson Lake, one article said. The lake has had several names, including... Kankakee Lake, Stanfield Lake, LaSalle Lake, and most commonly known as Beck's Lake. Some historians even think that Beck's Lake was the source of the Kankakee River. All of the early articles I found noted the area around Beck's Lake as marshland with tons of wildlife. Beck's Lake was best known for producing the best ice in the city. Quote, No other body of water in this part of the state has such a fine surface of ice than Beck's Lake. The ice is about 10 inches thick 
and is clear as crystal, touted a 1904 article. Then in the 1920s, and now I couldn't find many articles leading up to this huge project, but the city planned to literally drain Beck's Lake for a sewer project. They wanted to lay sewer pipes at the bottom of where the lake bed was. There were even multiple articles describing how massive of a project it was, including having to move, get this, over 100,000 fish from Beck's Lake to Chana Lakes. Then after all of that, they had to abandon the project because the land was too boggy to support the sewer pipes. They dug 60 feet underneath the ground of Beck's Lake, and it was still too unstable. They finally halted the project when they feared they'd lose their giant steam shovel equipment in the boggy bottom. So now we have what used to be a thriving lake ecosystem, but is now a muddy mess and basically a shallow body of water. And starting in the 1930s, the Bendix Corporation, which is literally across the railroad tracks north from Beck's Lake, began dumping paints, hydroxide, sludge, oil, chromic acid, and other solvents in the area. That began what ended up being called Beck's Lake Dump. And it was literally a dump. City residents would drive in, dump their trash, and leave. This was way before the city-controlled trash programs, and people either burned or dumped their trash in a dump like Beck's Lake. Now, what I just can't comprehend is that a neighborhood was built right around Beck's Lake Dump. And best believe, this neighborhood was not built for South Bend's high and mighty. It was built mainly for African-American families who at the time did not have many housing options at all. If you heard our episode on the Better Homes of South Bend book with Gabrielle Robinson, you'll know about the racial housing practices in South Bend at that time. So for the next 20 years or so, neighbors lived literally right near a dump. But African-American leaders fought for a change. And again, I could spend episodes on this, but plans were made to transition the dump into a park, along with other urban renewal plans in the neighborhood. Slowly but surely, over a several-year span, trash was removed, a community center was built, and a park was formed. Now, there's a large hill in LaSalle Park, that many say is a landfill with the trash and debris from Beck's Lake Dump and other city projects. In recent years, there's been controversy over how polluted the park is, and there's been several EPA studies done as well. There is so much to be told with the history of the lake, and I hope that our listeners can get a sense of how much of an impact, positive and negative, a neighborhood like the lake can have. After listening to my conversation with Lynn Coleman, you'll get a sense of how much the LaSalle Park neighborhood has meant to him and his life. Next, Lynn talks about his earliest memories, his family, and their start in the neighborhood on Kenmore Street in the lake. Earl, what are your earliest memories? Oh, I... I, As a kid, right? I mean, you grew up, so you were born around there? I was born and raised uh, 200 block, specifically 238 North Kenmore Street. Okay, all right. Uh, I am the fourth of six children okay. uh, with my mother and father. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom and dad moved to this town mm-hmm. somewhere in 47, okay. 46, okay. something like that. 46, 47, whatever. Mm-hmm. My oldest sister between my mother and father 
was born in 49. Okay. And so, okay. I, and she was born here. Okay. My parents uh, were born and raised in Mississippi. All right. They hooked up 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. They went to a little boarding school there in Mississippi. They hooked up. They got married. Right. My dad had family in Chicago. Okay, up north here. Yep. And so they decided to move to Chicago to get away from the atrocities and mm-hmm. junk that was going on uh, in Mississippi mm-hmm. uh, in the late 40s, right? right? And so they go to Chicago. Right. They get to Chicago, and they stay there for a short time, and somebody tells them that there's a little place east of there mm-hmm. uh, in Indiana that was hiring. Okay. Okay. And so— they done whatever they needed to do and checked it out, whatever. Right. Uh, Studebaker. That's it. And they ended up coming over here. Uh-huh. Um, when they came, they didn't know anybody from what I understand. Right. Um, and, and so that was part of the migration coming out of Absolutely. the South, uh, coming up north here. Uh-huh. Um, and they ended up in South Bend. Yeah. So they came here. And they hooked up with a couple people, and they were on the west, on the lake, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they ended up in the house on Kimmore Street. Um, you asked me how early do I remember? Yeah, some early memories. Of Probably there. four or five years old. Yeah. Standing on the porch, uh-huh. you know, uh, right there, Sunday morning, uh, mom and daddy getting ready to go to church, yeah. and we, you know, uh, all of that, uh-huh. okay? Um it was, uh, again, um, I'm number four of right. the six kids. Um, we had uh, a, a little uh, 750, 850 uh, square foot house. Right. Um, there was two bedrooms, uh, a living room, um, the kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, bathroom, what we then called a utility room. Okay. Uh, and that was it, right? Yeah. Uh, we uh, had all heat. Okay. Um, and everything we, one bathroom, everything mm-hmm. we had was right there, right? right? There. Uh, mom and dad had a bedroom, and uh, the, then later the six kids had the other bedroom. Right, right. Okay. Uh, four boys and two girls. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We all shared one bedroom. Yeah. Um, and there was always company. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, cousins or. Uncles or aunts or friends or somebody. A live happening spot. And so there was always a rollaway bed. Gotcha. In the house. Okay. That Mm -hmm. we would roll up and set in the hallway and, you know, uh, and people was all, we always had a couch uh, that uh, fold out. Okay. Okay. uh, That made a bed. So somebody else was there, you know. And, and so, but that's the way we did it. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was uh, phenomenal. I, you know, I can remember as a kid, uh, we had the big oil tank, 250-gallon tank. To heat it, to right? To heat the house yeah. on the back of the house. And, and the uh, oil company would come out and pump oil in there. Every now and then, you would run out. Yeah. And you take a five-gallon can up to the service station, get five gallons of oil. Bring it back, dump it in, you know. Heat the and house. Get, and, and try to heat the house. You know, um, sometimes that didn't work, and heat came from the stove. You yeah. turned on the stove, opened the stove door, do. and, you know, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it was tough times, but we didn't know it was tough. Right. But I, just the way you did. Lynn just described how his parents, like many other people in the neighborhood, migrated to the north. Next, you'll hear about the community that they formed. And it's a community that Lynn is proud to have been a part of. You knew everyone. You knew everyone on Kimmore yep. Street from Washington to uh, uh, Linden. Yep. Uh, if you ran out of milk, if you ran out of flour, yep. if you ran out of sugar, whatever, yep. you knock on the door. Mama said, "Can we have this? Uh-huh. Can we borrow this? Can we get that?" You know. Yep. Uh, and that's what you did. And you I know? bet if you got out of line, <laughs> you had Absolutely. a lot more moms yeah. and dads uh, in the neighborhood. Everybody checked you. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and so uh, you had good friends that lived on Wellington Street. You mm-hmm. had good friends that lived on Illinois Street, Chicago uh-huh. Street. Uh, and that's going uh, to the west. Yep. Uh, to the east, you had friends that lived on Lake Street. You uh-huh. know, uh, right on down, down right. On Kentucky and Dunham and, you know, Camden, Liberty, Bendix. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so if you lived on the lake. Right. And went to school at Harrison. Uh-huh. Somebody knew you. Yeah. You was connected. You right, know. right. Uh, we didn't get on school buses. Nope. We, it wasn't no such thing. Nope. Uh, uh, we didn't even ride city buses uh, okay. that much because city buses went down Western Avenue. They didn't come mm, over to they Washington. Weren't, they weren't yeah. going up on that dirt yeah. road uh, up there. And, and so, uh, but you knew everybody. And right. everybody knew you. Yeah. Uh, and if you needed something, they got you. Uh, and if you got out of line, they checked you. Darn right. Uh, we need more so, of that. <laughs> um, and that doesn't happen anymore now. No. Uh, no. Oftentimes now, people don't even know who their neighbors are. No. And they won't extend themselves enough to go mm-hmm. out and say. I know. You know and so anyway. Um, but it was the best time of my life. Uh, and I, I will tell you and anyone else that out of all the things I've done gone uh-huh. to the thing that I'm most proud of is to be able to tell people that I grew Beautiful. up on the lake uh, and not even the lake that we see now oh no way it, different it was, it was no nowhere close to that way different uh, and um, everybody and I won't say everybody but uh, almost everybody had two parents in the house yeah okay uh, they worked. Yeah. Uh, they took care of their properties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if they went to Portage Township mm-hmm. on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or whatever, um, they came back and they took care of the properties right. that they had. Right. Uh, most of the people owned the property that they lived in. Yeah. Uh, they bought houses. They didn't mm-hmm. rent houses. Right. Um, and, and so um, it was absolutely phenomenal. Man. Uh, and. I, I don't regret it. I am grateful. It is part of the fabric that has made me who mm-hmm. and what I am now. Next, you'll find out why Lynn calls Western Avenue the Mason-Dixon line. I can remember as a little kid, we would uh, go to school at Harrison. Yeah. And so um, uh, Harrison is where we went to school mm-hmm. at. I lived on the north side of Western. Western. Uh, Harrison was on the south side. Right. Uh, south side of Western was predominantly black. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, south side was predominantly white. Yep. yep. Um, Polish, uh, Hungarian mm-hmm. uh, community. Um, the north side of Western 
was predominantly black. Right. Okay. Right. Yep. Um, we went south of Western to go to school. Yep. When school was out, we got back across right. Western okay. Avenue. Okay. 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 Western was the. That's Mason what I was going to ask. That was one of my questions. Was yeah. Western? I knew yeah. there was some Western importance was, to yeah. it. Western yeah. was the Mason Dixon line. Yeah. We got back across um, there. When I was a kid, the lake as we know it, yeah, um, was the area between Meat Street to yep. the east. Uh, uh, Chicago Street to the west, mm-hmm. Western Avenue to, to the, the south. south, and we called it, it as kids the Dump Road. Yep. Uh, What's it north. now? Linden? Is Linden. that what it is now? But it you, is you guys Linden. called it Dump yeah, Road. The Dump huh? Road, right? The Harrison School that folks now might be familiar with is not the Harrison that Lynn attended. The Harrison that Lynn attended was a giant hulking building right on Western Avenue, just north of the new Harrison. I mentioned in the beginning that the neighborhood was literally built around a dump, Beck's Lake Dump. When Lynn talks next, just imagine living within a stone's throw of what he describes. And when you say trucks, it was not trucks that we know now as garbage trucks. It was was, uh, pickup trucks. Yeah. People, uh, your uncle, your cousin had a pickup truck and they would go and dump trash cans mm-hmm. in the back of their pickup trucks and bring them out to the dump um, yep. to the lake uh, uh, what we called the dump right. back then yeah uh, and dump it uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays was dump day so y'all you guys you guys just called it the dump it was and that's it what was it was the dump it, no, it was, a yeah, it was dump. that's what it was it was and and back then back then you could burn your trash and yeah. so you had you know a 50-gallon, you know, trash mm-hmm. can in your backyard. Uh, some of them had holes in it, so if it rained, the rain would drain out of it. Yeah. But your family would go and put whatever was right. in the house. Uh, and it wasn't no such thing as, you know, uh, bottles and cans here and trash no. here, no. recyclable. Everything was in one thing. Yep. Um, and uh, and they burned it. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes on the... Um, Wednesday or Saturday, uh-huh. when people dumped, it was still smoking. Man. And, and, and so <laughs> that was the dump. And I'm going to tell you, so I don't mean to interrupt, when I researched all the newspaper articles throughout that time, mm-hmm. the just to read that, that the neighbors had to live right by all the fire and stuff like that, like there would be the South Bend firefighters there days at a time mm-hmm. trying to put out from what I read mm-hmm. trying to put out the fires that were in the dump yeah, and, and the and, neighbors you couldn't even put your darn clothes out and it was it was a legal dump a yeah. legal landfill mm-hmm. that people could dump in and, and I lived on Kenmore Street okay okay at 238 North Kenmore mm-hmm. and so I lived on the east side of the street on Kenmore Street I got street, you right yep the alley behind our house uh-huh. At that time, uh, Kenmore Street, the next street east of us, right. is Falcon Street. Gotcha. Okay? Yep. Well, at that time, Falcon Street didn't go all the way from Washington to Linden. It stopped I at mean, Washington. Uh, yeah, it stopped yeah. At, a little bit past okay. Washington. And all the rest of that was dumped. Yeah. And so after you crossed the alley uh-huh. of our uh, in the back of our house, it was it literally, the dump started literally past the alley. 
you yeah, lived in. Yeah, right and there. so um, it was, <laughs> it was, you know, and, and we would go out there, <laughs> and, and you would play in it. That's you, what I was going to ask. I, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we would go out there, and every now and then, you, somebody would dump an old bike frame out there, and yeah. we would take the bike frame. Try and, to fix it up. Uh, yeah. um, put bike tires on it, rims and yep. stuff like that. We would take, um, people would dump uh, scooters or old skates, and we would take that stuff and put on wood and yeah. make uh, scooters, uh-huh. know, a piece of uh, two-by-four on the uh, bottom. Yeah. Uh, uh, not a two by four, but a piece of wood. Piece of on the wood, front. right? And then you know, one uh, upright and make a handle out of it. Uh-huh. Put wheels on the bottom of it, and nail it on uh, with some nails. Right, and, yeah. You know, Heck down yeah. The street, you know? And so <laughs> that kind of stuff is what we uh, experience. What I remember um, sometimes in the summertime, and it would change a lot. Uh, there was hot muck. Uh, oh. the, the the ground, the soil was uh, in the summertime would get real hot and yeah. mucky and, and and would burn. I know kids Ugh. that stepped in hot muck and had uh, uh, degree burns, on second that uh, uh, degree burns on their foot, scars. <sighs> yeah, it would burn their tennis shoes right off their feet. That is that's insane. Uh, that's but you, know, but you didn't know any. I mean, yeah, that was that it. Was, that, that was the neighborhood. Life. That's the right. where you lived and that kind of thing. Uh, the God. streets. Uh, they weren't paved yet, were they? Oh no, the streets weren't paved. I read that the too. alleys weren't paved and cleaned. And, God. Uh, uh, Washington Street. Uh, if you wasn't careful, it could take you fifteen minutes to go from Washington and Falcon Street okay. to Washington and Cayley Street because there were so many potholes and chuck holes. Yes, I know and, that's and, not far. And, and, and no, it's not far. That's not far at all. To navigate, yeah. to make sure that you. Don't get stuck in a hole somewhere. But anyway, that's that's the way it was. You know, um, Man. And, but outside of all of that, it was awesome. You just heard us talking about fires that were burning in the dump. In the early 1950s, there were all types of newspaper articles talking about how bad the burning trash was. And these fires were not just one and done, put them out fires. They burned for weeks at a time. The following is from a March 1953 article about how hard it was to extinguish the fires. Quote, It burns down underneath for a long time. Some of the old newspaper and loose paper in the old lake bed goes down about 20 feet, and it's hard to get the water down there. The article went on to describe fires in the section of the dump where Bendix dumped all of that sludge and toxic stuff. Another article even talked about the smell and how neighbors couldn't even hang their clothes out to dry. And you just heard Lynn talk about how close that they lived to all of that. If you've never heard of a mud puppy race, you will next. I can remember uh, days that um, for play today, we would go out and and chase snakes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we would... Catch salamanders and, and you're joking, right? And, no. So here's the deal. No, I had to print this article out. This is from 1950. You probably weren't even born. Oh, this is 55. You would have been a little Maybe. guy. Crawlers from Beck's Lake. Mm-hmm. Crawlers from Beck's Lake dump invade homes. Mm-hmm. Old Beck's Lake dump was really crawling Thursday night all the way out into West Washington. Police were called by residents at 11:30 by West Washington and Dundee. Uh, after what appeared to be 
hundreds of salamanders crawling around from the dump into the basements, invading the yards. They said they were all over the street, the 3100 block of West Washington. So I just printed that out just because it was, wow. Me we, as a boy, I would have been chasing those jokers too. We used to catch them. <laughs> yeah, I would have been doing the same thing. The, the paper called them salamanders. We used to call them mud puppies. All right. Okay. And we would race them. You, you'd catch them. <laughs> And you would hold them by the tail. I love it. Okay. Yeah. And you, you know, I'd have mine. You have yours. Mm-hmm. And the finish line is up there. Yeah. And, you know, and they try to get away, and uh-huh. you know, and somebody would say, "Go, you let them go," and they take off. Okay. I love it. Uh, but we used to race right. salamanders. Uh-huh. You know, um, no, it was no time like it. We would yeah. go, and we would. Ke- I mean, we would um, make born arrows. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And put pop bottle tops yeah. on the edge of them uh-huh. um, and, uh, and shoot mm-hmm. wild dogs. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, you know, um, that's the crazy thing yeah. that we used to do yeah. uh, because we lived in an area where all of that stuff was accessible to yep. us. Um, my dad uh, was a hunter, and so he had hunting dogs okay. uh, in the backyard, uh, and they was caged in a fence yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, he had to put extra secure stuff around the bottom of the cage because the rats would get in the cage uh, and they would uh, kill adults. Wow. We had rats uh, a foot long, man, and that's not with their tail. I believe you. That's from head to foot. Dude, the South Bend Tribune reported on that a lot. Well, I'm telling you. Like, like you guys, they had exterminators coming out every month. I don't know where they were coming to. I know. (laughs) That's what it said. They say they was doing all that stuff. But anyway, uh, we had rats. That's insane. That would kill dogs. Oh, my Uh, God. And and so that's that's what you lived in. You know, there was wild dogs. Yep. Uh, on the other side of Dump Road, okay. uh, between the Dump Road and the railroad the tracks, tracks. Yep. Um, wild dogs that was born Ooh. and raised. You know, that's still scary though, man. And and they would come out, you know, uh, yeah. the spring of the year, mm-hmm. and you know, whose Ooh. dog is that? I don't know. That's, that's a wild dog the, from the dump part area. Of, yeah. yeah, part of the pack. You know, man. Uh, and oh. um, you, but that's what you. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was, and that's you know, and so you see people now. Walking up and down the street with their dogs yeah. on a leash and stuff. Nah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Y'all was some you, wild you junkyard dogs, literally. Yeah, literally. Literally. <laughs> oh, that's man. what we had. But it was the lake. And yeah, nothing of course. like it. And for those of you that never had an opportunity to live there or experience that or witness that, uh, you don't know what you're no. missing. It no. was just absolutely incredible. Rats that would kill dogs. And he's not exaggerating. Like I said, I found several Tribune articles. Quote, The city has started an extermination campaign to get rid of the rats at Beck's Lake Dump. And now that article was from 1953. I found another article 14 years later, 1967, and they were still dealing with the rat problem. It's hard to imagine that an area that was once a decent-sized lake with plenty of wildlife, then drained and turned into a legal dump, and then for years an illegal dump, could be cleaned up. But leaders in the community pushed for it all to be cleaned up and turned into a city park. I asked Lynn about that transition next. 
So I mentioned earlier the the transitions that you saw, that you saw. Do and and all I know is hindsight from the newspaper man, you know, just from going to research and there's there's a lot of of, of articles just about when they were planning to change that area into a park. Mm-hmm. Um and and it took it took quite a amount of years from what I can tell. Um what do you remember about that time just about you guys I mean about literally seeing a dump turning into something different you know what I'm saying and I know it didn't happen overnight no and and you know there was a lot of talk about doing it and there uh-huh. was always you know a little bit here and a little bit yep, there yep in my opinion uh-huh. and and there's going to be some people Older than me, yeah. that know more than I of know. Course. I, there are some people that's a lot brighter than me uh-huh. that know a little more. There are some people that were more involved, right? That know more than I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's some people that had different experiences. And, Absolutely. And, but for me, yeah. Thank goodness for people like Miss Brody, okay. uh, Miss Phillips, Mister mm-hmm. uh, Ivory, Mister Maxwell, mm-hmm. uh, Reverend Davis, Reverend Kirk. Those were the leaders in the community yeah. that was always engaged with and involved with the city to get some yeah. things done and that right. kind of thing. Right. I think what really tilted the bar uh-huh. to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Is it 1967? Mm-hmm. Melvin Phillips, okay, who was uh, an awesome athlete at mm-hmm. Washington High School. I think he graduated in '64. Yeah, something like that. '64, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. something. We had a community neighborhood center on Western Avenue. Okay. Called the South Fillmore Neighborhood Center. Okay. And that's where they had community meetings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They were having a meeting there mm-hmm. that night. Miss Brody was the director okay. of that center. Okay. During that meeting, the police were out there and, and that kind of thing. Things got uh, heated. Okay. Uh, the police say that someone from inside the building shot. Uh, or threw something outside, Out. and they began shooting. Oof. Melvin Rent was running across the street, as I remember it, mm-hmm. and police shot him. Okay. Because of his injuries, Melvin lost a leg. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that caused a lot of uproar mm-hmm. uh, in that neighborhood, in that community, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. After that, they got aggressive mm. at cleaning up yeah. the park and making things different out there. Yeah. Uh, and soon built the center. Yeah. Uh, but, um, wow. And that was, that happened in 67. Uh, up until that point, there had been small efforts. You know, we yeah. had a basketball court outside. Okay. Um, okay. You know, uh, during the summertime, we had, a little um, shed okay. that they stored summer uh, equipment yeah. in, baseball, yep. basketballs, yep. Uh-huh. and stuff like uh, ping pong tables right. and stuff like that. Uh, but that was just for the three months of summer. Right, right. right. Um, 
they had begun to pave some of the streets. Okay. You know, um, but not all. But after Melvin got shot. Yeah. And all of the, the negative attention that yeah. brought, they began to make, I think, more significant right. changes. Right. Um, and um, and then got us up to the point where they are. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, and not nearly as much as they should have, mm-hmm. could have, mm-hmm. uh, and still now yeah. uh, need to do more. Yeah. Uh, but that's when... Uh, that's when the significant changes begin okay. to start, in okay. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. After yeah. after Melvin got shot. Right, right. Man, you saw a ton of changes there, man. That's yeah. that's amazing. That has to be wild. You live right next to a city dump, and then it transitions into a city park. And thank goodness for one of these changes, the community center. Because as you'll hear next, it helped change Lynn's life for the better. And, and that was part of my life change my uh-huh. turnaround time if okay. you will i as a kid um my dad was um my dad was an alcoholic mm-hmm. had some issues with drinking mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and um so he was a bootlegger mm-hmm. uh and so he went and got liquor on saturday nights right. to sell on sunday and that hey. kind of, and so it was always accessible yep I was um, introduced or involved in alcohol right. drug early on, right? Yep. Um, and again, if somebody had told me that it would end right. it this way, I would have never believed it right. from where I started. And so in doing that, I made a lot of bad mistakes right. and done a lot of crazy mm-hmm. things and stupid stuff. And, and then... Uh, the center opened yeah. in 69, somewhere okay. close to that. Right. And when the center opened, uh, there was people that worked at the center. Uh-huh. Uh, Buddy Bonds was the executive director. Uh, Bill Powell uh, was uh, uh, assistant director. Mm-hmm. Uh, George McCullough worked at the okay. center. Uh, Charles Black worked at the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, John Wesley mm-hmm. worked at the center. He went to school at um, Central. Okay. Uh, Derek Wesley's father. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I know Derek. Yep. Um, they all worked at the center. Okay. And then there was other people that, because the center was there, would come and hang around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Martin would hang out at the center, mm-hmm. uh, and and so those guys were there, and I began to connect with some of them. Right. Okay. And instead of being out in the yep. park, you know, shooting dice, yeah. drinking, yep. getting hot, yep. I would stand in there with them some and laugh and talk and uh-huh. joke and that kind of thing. And so I began to befriend them. Yeah. I knew them. I knew who Charles Black was. I knew who Tudor Thomas was and all, you know, but we didn't hang out together uh-huh. i hung out with different guys right. that was doing different things in there mm-hmm. uh, those guys that most of them had gone to college came back and they were working in education mm-hmm. or something social stuff in the community and uh i began to hang out with them uh-huh. uh and in 74 mm-hmm. uh charles black i mean charles martin mm-hmm. uh, 
started a group out in LaSalle Park okay. called LAP, uh, LaSalle Athletic and Action Program. Okay. It was an organization to work with young kids mm -hmm. uh, to try to keep them in school yep. and get them prepared for college mm -hmm. if they chose to, uh, mostly boys, right. athletes, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and we uh, done fundraisers to run, raise money to take them on trips and cool. college tours uh -huh. and you know, uh, we done tutoring sessions uh -huh. with them and that kind of thing. I became a member, uh, a founding member of LAP. Okay. And I was the youngest guy in the group, mm -hmm. and we had a ball. That's so uh, cool. You know, uh, and so that showed me the positive side yeah. uh, of life. And yep. so although my um, high school years uh -huh. uh, and stuff like that was sort of uh, rough, uh, that gave me an out. Lynn talked about hanging out with folks who were doing good for themselves and how that had a positive effect on him. Next, he continues to talk about other folks from the neighborhood who did well for themselves also. I talk about the, the people that struggle like me, that, yeah. you know, but there's an awful lot of good people mm -hmm. in this community mm -hmm. that grew up, was raised mm -hmm. on the lake awesome. uh, that has made... Uh, Impact in our city. Major impact, not only in our city, but across this country. Wow. You know, um, you know again, uh, you know, Alma Powell. Yeah. A major uh, educator mm -hmm. in this in this town. Mm -hmm. She grew up on the, on lake. the lake. You know, um, uh, again, I mentioned the Kerr brothers a while uh -huh. ago. Both of them played professional ball. Yeah. Uh, Ron Fellows. Uh, okay, I've heard that name. Uh, yeah. Played for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh -huh. Uh, lived uh, on the lake. That's you know, awesome. Uh, it's the, the names go on and on. George McCullough, <sighs> absolutely uh, educator. You know, yep. The names yep. go on and on and on. Mary Chapman was uh, uh, she was uh, Mary Scanyers and uh, Mary uh, Wesley Chapman uh, was involved in education. Okay, was out in uh, Iowa, uh, Iowa, uh -huh. yeah, uh, uh, in uh, one of the universities in Iowa doing uh, major stuff. Uh, the list goes on and That's on wild. and on. Um, guys that was older than me, uh, mm -hmm. Mike Warren played in Hill Street Blues. That sounds familiar too. Okay, uh, check out Hill Street Blues. Yeah, Mike Warren. Uh, his family was one of the first black families that lived in B.G. Smith's recreation uh, projects. Okay, there, uh, in the uh, late forties. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and so uh, Mike. Although he, they moved to the west side and he went to Central, he started on the lake. Okay. Um, uh, most, and I won't say most, but a lot of um, people, black uh -huh. people yep. in, in this town Have some uh, sort that of, migrated yep. uh, to this uh, city mm -hmm. uh, from the south started in LaSalle Park. Yep. And uh, they got their foot on the ground, they got rooted, right. and they moved to other communities. But most right. of them started out right in LaSalle there. Park. We wrap it up next, and you can absolutely hear it in Lynn's voice, what the lake has meant to him. When you talk, man, you could just tell how proud you are, where you come from, and, and just like me too, man, I'm proud of well, where I'm I, raised. And you, you know what? Um, that's home for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I tell people all the time that I am grateful for an awful lot of stuff mm -hmm. because— when I started, and I, you mentioned your son, Jaden. Aiden. Aiden, yep. uh -huh. I apologize, uh -huh. 15 no, years old. Yeah. 
when I was 15 years old, uh-huh. if somebody had told me then yeah. that my life would transition to where it's at now, uh-huh. I would have never in my wildest dreams believed it. There was nothing that I did mm-hmm. have been exposed to yep. or witnessed that would have made me think or lead me to believe uh-huh. that I would have done what I'm uh-huh. doing or have done. Yeah. I am, and I am so happy and uh-huh. proud of what I've done. And right. and I say that just to get to a point, if I yep. can. Oh, please. I've been places, seen things, mm-hmm. met people, had things, you know, uh, gone places that I would have never seen. But yeah. I think that what I am most proud of in my life uh-huh. at, at this point now Outside of my my son, my family, that kind of thing. Right, right. But what uh, I am most proud of Uh is that I grew up on the lake. I love Uh, it, man. And that that's where I'm from. That's what helped mold me and give me what I've got Uh to be able to and to be able to appreciate other stuff. Right. Now. Right, right. All of that goes back to my life, my start on the lake. Yeah. At 200 block of North Kenmore Street. Thank you so, so very much. Oh, yeah. Number one, it's awesome to... Uh, to re uh, uh, make, meet you again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, this is incredible. Uh, uh-huh. uh, what you do, well, uh, g- you. giving people an opportunity uh, to tell stories yeah. um, uh, so that we don't forget. That's my main thing doing yeah. that. So, so that we don't forget, man. Yep. It's, you know, And my story might not be important to somebody, and that's okay. Uh-huh. But next week you'll talk to someone else and yeah. maybe their story is important uh, right. to somebody else. And, right. But thank you for allowing people to tell oh, yeah. their stories. It's, oh, yeah. You know, I, I tell people all the time that uh, we got so many good stories yes, and we information do. and it's buried yep. out in the cemetery because nobody talked to those people and, to get that information. Exactly. So I applaud you. Well, thank you. For doing what you do. Uh <laughs> For, for sharing, uh-huh. um, for giving of your time, yep. and energy, and space so that you can allow people to tell yep. their stories. And uh, awesome. I don't know why you chose me, but I am extremely <laughs> grateful uh, to be here. Uh, and I wish you well, man. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I wish you well. Thank you for listening to another episode of Round the Bend Now and Then. A special thank you to Lynn Coleman for sharing your memories of growing up on the lake. If our listeners couldn't hear the love and passion in your voice, then they aren't listening. Your love of your neighborhood and dedication to our city deserves our praise. Thank you once again. And folks, do me a favor. Leave a review on whatever podcast app that you're listening on. Also, be sure to follow us on all the social medias, Twitter, Round the Bend Pod, Facebook, Round the Bend Now and Then. Email, reach out roundtheben 574 at gmail.com. And as always, please, please, please share the podcast with those who you feel would like us. Join us again next time as we learn more about South Bend and Mishawaka's now and then.